0: The minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government.
3: The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist.
1: It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the gripping imprint of a It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes.
0: Perception is the key, and the heart is the solution.
1: Heart perception will change everything.
0: I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are listening to the secret teachings on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's the email, rdgable at yahoo.com. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info, and social media, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. You can reach out to us there. The network, The Fringe FM, also has a website, thefringe.fm. You can check out the new applications for. Whatever phone you might have to download the Fringe FM app to listen to the show 24-7. There are some episodes of The Secret Teachings on demand. Otherwise, our archive on the website is where you can find all of the past episodes and our growing montage archive. This weekend is our Fringe Fest event as well, so you can check out that website, thefringefest.com, thefringefest.com. And if you use the name Ryan, R-Y-A-N, you also get a discounted ticket to that event. It's like 10, $15. So you get 15% off that. It's a fun, fun event to come out and to, uh, listen to a number of speakers, give presentations. Last night we had Harold Counts on the show. Harold will be presenting on the subject of artificial intelligence and black goo this weekend. And we had Karen Dahlman on Tuesday. She'll be presenting on the Ouija board and divination this weekend. We have a lot of other speakers from Brad Olson, who's a good friend of ours to Charlie Robinson, to Jordan Maxwell, Clyde Lewis is going to be there, and a host of other speakers and authors and researchers. Uh, Jared Murphy will actually be attending. That just got confirmed as well. So that's Fringe Fest this weekend. We're pushing it hard this week since it's the last week, Friday and Saturday, thefringefest.com. Tonight on the broadcast, I have two of my favorite guests, Don Lester and David Parker, authors of the monumental work that took them a very long time to complete. I think like a decade. What really makes you ill? Why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong. And I thought I knew a lot about disease. And I thought I knew a lot about health until I read this book. Some of the stuff that I thought I knew, I guess I did know. But I learned a lot more in this book. So it's an amazing book. It's huge. Hundreds of pages. Like 700 pages or so. What really makes you ill? Why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong. Don Lester and David Parker, welcome back to The Secret Teachings. How are you guys doing?
4: Yeah, fine, thank you, Ryan. Lovely to be here.
0: Yes,
3: uh, as uh, Don says, lovely to be here. It's a few months since we've spoken to you, so uh, looking forward to uh, having another chat. Yeah, good
0: stuff. As am I, and a lot has changed in the last couple of months. Uh, some parts of the United States were not allowed to have Halloween. Did you guys get Halloween canceled there? Did the bureaucrats cancel uh, it?
3: Uh, No, we've not had anyone cancel it, but because of uh, the ever changing restrictions that they put on how many people can get together and, uh, you know, not uh, you can't have people from different households getting together. So they they make it very difficult. uh, uh, But I suppose with Halloween, uh, probably with some of the things we're going to talk about with uh, the uh, normal candy that gets passed around at Halloween, maybe, maybe those restrictions in some way will help out a little where children perhaps won't be exposed to some of the, what I call toxic waste. Uh, um, so maybe there'll be some good to come out of it. But uh, yeah, we, we there's clampdowns all the time and they keep moving it around the country and clamping various areas down more than others for no good reason, um, other than their sort of harebrained schemes. That they come up with um so yeah I, I guess from little bits that we pick up some of it is perhaps uh, more severe in various areas of the united states than it is in the uk so we'll be interested to probably get your take on that
0: yeah here in uh, ohio which is just west of us here in new york ohio is having a um the reese's company the reese's chocolate peanut butter company they're having like some robot that they've designed go out and deliver candy to children it's like a it's like basically a robotic door and the kids come up and it gives them candy which i don't (laughs) see how that's safer than just going to a regular door you know or my friend mike d who is a uh, co-host with us sometimes he lives down in florida and his homeowners association told them not to deliver candy at the door but to instead meet children in the driveway it's safer just this makes no sense (laughs)
4: No, uh, none, not at all. Uh, it's just bizarre, isn't it? The 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 stuff they'll come up with to try and say, oh, you know, this is a better idea. It's it's absolutely bizarre. But of course, you know, the idea that the kids still have to have their candy. I mean, it's it, it is bizarre.
3: Well, I suppose you've got this trade off with the big uh, food or confectionery manufacturers. Obviously, they want their money, and I guess uh, it's a big money spinner for them. So, I suppose there's pressure put on governments. To uh, make the rules so that uh, they can still make some money. Um, because, as we all know, they're not interested in the health of people, uh, at least of all children. Um, <clears throat> but they are interested in profits because the whole thing's profit driven, as I'm sure is no surprise to anyone. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, very bizarre. I mean, just while well, we're talking about bizarreness, I don't know whether you have it over there, but some of the rules that they've put on us over here, as well as Opening and then closing and then opening and then closing, sort of restaurants and bars and things like that. Um, they have a rule where they've decided that the uh, coronavirus is more virulent um, from ten o'clock in the evening onwards. So uh, any of those places that can be open, they can't be open beyond ten
0: o'clock. Oh yeah, we have that here, um, but oh, yeah. here here it's different. It's nine o'clock in some places. Ah,
3: okay. I mean...
4: Yeah, because you know, the virus has got a watch, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, It's unbelievable. Oh, and, of, and of course, they're now debating as to what special rules they need to um, bring together for controlling people at Christmas, you know, when obviously our families do want to get
0: together. Oh, I haven't and, heard about that yet. And uh,
3: People are sort of asking the government, people are asking the government to please make some clear rules as to what they can and can't do at Christmas. Unbelievable just how compliant uh, people are, you know, which I think is the most for us, and I'm sure for yourself, the most disappointing aspect of all of this is um, just how compliant people are, how they acquiesce and just start as as i've just said starting to ask the government they're asking the government permission as to what they can do at christmas to see their relatives and friends you know unbelievable
0: yeah they were doing that more for thanksgiving here um which is in um, just a couple of weeks they're saying in some parts of the united states like you can have two family members over but not three and you can have a gathering of you know this many people but not that many people it's yeah. outrageous and also On that note, I had four articles here that I wanted to mention that were very significant stories from the Washington Post, the New York Times, and a few others. And this is from the Washington Post a month ago. The Centers for Disease Control reverses itself and says guidelines it posted on coronavirus airborne transmission were wrong. And they claim that they were wrong because it was a website error, quote, website error. These people have no idea what they're doing.
4: None, none at all. I mean, uh, if you uh, track all the different uh, reports that have come out since, you know, even since March, um, you know, they're going backwards and forwards and uh, twisting and turning on, on all sorts of um, aspects. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that we did in, in the research for our book was to... Look at all the contradictions and anomalies, and when you see uh, so many, then you realise there's there's something very wrong. Um, But because they're so obvious, as you say, you know, even reported in these mainstream uh, sources, uh, which is again uh, surprising. But it's just uh, amazing, as as David said. You know, we don't comprehend how people aren't becoming more aware and or, or even starting to question things and say, "Hang on a minute, there's something not right here."
0: Yeah, I don't know what I it's. Mean, I don't know what it's going to take. What did you guys think about the the Centers for Disease Control in the United States posting on their website? I don't know if you heard about this. It's big here in the states. They, this is a quote: ninety four percent of COVID nineteen deaths had underlying medical conditions. And if you go read it, they say ninety four percent of COVID nineteen deaths, which includes ninety plus percent of normal flu deaths, had two and a half average medical conditions like obesity, diabetes, cancer, etc. So that's on their website.
3: Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we saw that when the reports came out, the, the more truthful reports in Italy, you know, which a month or so ago was supposed to be one of the sort of COVID hotspots, you know, where people were dying. But again, when the authorities, their authorities actually put out the reports, it was plain to see that the majority and I do mean the majority, if not all, the people that had supposedly died of COVID um, were all very elderly and had gone into hospital with two or more serious underlying health uh, problems. Uh, who were then, many of them were put onto ventilators, which, as people perhaps know, is a very invasive uh, course of action for the hospitals to take, you know, and involves putting the people under general anaesthetic and uh, showing pipes into their lungs. Um, so very invasive. Uh, so uh, And of course, then filling them up with some very powerful uh, antiviral drugs. So it's hardly surprising that the vast majority of those elderly people died. Uh, but of course, the deaths were put down to COVID when there were nothing of the sort. I mean, I've said many times, I've yet to see, and I challenge anyone, any doctor, to prove through autopsy that anyone anywhere in the world has died from this uh, supposed COVID virus Um, because we we know very well they can't prove that because they can't and haven't proved that uh, there is such a virus exists. You know, as we've said many times, it's never been. We may want to talk about some of these uh, papers that are supposedly scientifically based that have been circulated. But when they're examined, it's easy to see that none of them actually uh, have done what they purport to have done which is they purport to have uh, purified the virus uh, and to have met Cox's postulates uh, which is to fully categorise the virus and then finally to have proved that it uh, does cause the disease which means taking that purified virus and uh, uh, introducing it into a healthy person who then is supposed to develop the disease. I mean I know that Sounds bad, but they've never done any of these things, and these are their rules, and yeah. they've never done that. So yeah, the cdc They've never done the most basic thing, which is prove that the virus exists.
0: The CDC actually published a report just a few weeks ago. I'd have to dig up a copy of it again. Uh, I think it was on David Icke's website. My friend sent it to me as well, but it was from the Centers for Disease Control. And there's a little tiny paragraph in this document that says the CDC has, I'm paraphrasing this, but the CDC has not been able to isolate the virus and they, they do not have in their possession any samples of the virus. And this was from just a few weeks ago. They openly published that. Yeah.
4: Yes, I think that was back from July. And uh, I believe John Rappaport's been um, um, uh, re- referring to that report and, and spreading that information around as well. Uh, yes, certainly uh, having seen that, I mean, that that is... So obvious, uh, you know, that's such a, a blatant admission that, you know, if they haven't got, um, you know, any isolated virus, then you think, well, what, what,
1: what are they based on?
4: Yes, what are all these measures right. based on? Um, but there have been lots of challenges of, um people who are writing to various departments in various uh, health departments in different countries, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the UK, um, and, you know, with FOI requests asking for, um, you know, the actual information, um, specific information about uh, this, you know, the virus and isolating it. And they've all come back and said, you know, we don't have that information. So all these health departments putting out the measures based on, Nothing. N- Nothing, well, yeah. They haven't got the information, so yeah.
3: It beggars belief, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. You sort of are astounded that uh, they actually admit that they don't have the scientific information on which they are basing, blocking down the world. And you think, how, how does this work? How Well, we know, we know that the whole thing is a complete fiction and is not based on any scientific evidence. But when they actually admit it, and still carry on doing it, as you say, you just wonder what it will take for the majority of people to wake up and know that this is a complete farce yeah. um, and a dangerous one at that.
0: Yeah, and what happens is when they remove some of the mask laws or, well, they call them laws, but they're not, they're just like suggestions. When they removed some of that here in the United States, people still continue to wear them anyway and businesses continue to reinforce it anyway. And so at that point, yeah. it's not about government. It's like, well, the business isn't necessarily forcing you. The government really isn't forcing you. It's other people. It's not the government's fault. It's other people that want you to wear a mask. So then it becomes a social issue. And then it becomes difficult to function in society unless you do what everyone else does. And it has nothing at that point to do with government or any agency or even a business for that matter. That's really scary and really dangerous. And I also read something from the New York Times. This was a huge report. Um, did you guys hear the story about the, this is the headline, your coronavirus test is positive, maybe it shouldn't be. Did you read that study or that report?
3: No, we're not that particular one. But of course, we know from looking at the tests and what they are, that they're all just a fiction anyway. They don't prove anything. And they're much more likely to prove that or give you a positive result uh, than they are anything else. But they, uh, like with all these tests, as we've, often said to people you know even going back to sort of the hiv aids test you know they don't test they never test for the supposed virus anyway they're just basing it on sort of what they call antibodies and we've right. done quite a bit of research on the myth of antibodies you know but uh, that's that's another story altogether but um, no these these tests are completely useless but they're useful for them because they give these false positives and so then they uh, the media just hyped it up by saying, Oh, there's an increase in corona cases. What they mean is there's an incre- increase in positive tests. But the, the positive tests don't mean anything. They're just saying people have got something which they haven't.
0: Yeah, in fact. So
3: we, we try and direct people to go right back to square one and say, Make them prove that the virus exists and is an active pathogen. And if they can't do that, everything else is nonsense. Um, but that seems to get lost in the fog, if you like, and uh, people are deciding, well, should we wear masks? Should we social distance? How much social distance? How many people in a group? Rather than saying, never mind about any of that, let's ask the basic question. Let's demand of our politicians, our government, prove the virus exists and is the pathogenic cause of a disease. Uh, And if you can't do that, then we're not taking any notice of you and we're not letting you enact any of these ridiculous measures.
4: And of course, they haven't done any of that. So, you know, this is all based on a complete myth. You know, there's just nothing behind it. Um, But it is like you said, it's extremely worrying that people are. In, uh, self-imposing these rules, uh, like you say, it's no longer that they're being imposed from the from the outside, from or even any businesses that they're imposing it on each other. I mean, that that really is scary. Um, but of course, that's that's one of the objectives to to get people to believe something and to invest so much into it that they then perpetuate it.
3: They they yeah self centering I mean yeah
4: oh that, yeah.
3: Don and I have noticed because we're great observers of people, and we've noticed that in the uk because there's not been any rules in the uk that says you must wear masks in the street i mean we never do anyway dawn and i never do that but there's been no rules that say you're supposed to you're only supposed to wear them if you go into buildings shops restaurants and things like that and yet we notice lots of people wearing the masks in the street so they've imposed that on themselves there's not been any government rule that says they need to do it and this just shows how this herd instinct works you know and i believe it's all part of the social engineering which of course all this is uh to see just what people do and uh, and i think we will see that we will see governments taking away restrictions and watching what people do i mean that's a is like a badge isn't it
0: it is it's a litmus test the
3: agencies they can see who they've got under their control uh and and putting a mask on is a sure way to indicate to them yes i'm acquiescing i'm 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 under
0: your control. That's what I've said from uh, the beginning about the masks. It's a, it's a litmus test to see who is going to participate and who's not, and who's yeah. and people who don't are socially shamed. I mean, obviously, if you don't let that bother you, then I kind of laugh it off. Uh, yeah. I want I want to read this little paragraph to you guys from the New York Times. This is really incredible how openly acknowledging they are of the PCR test, and uh, they say the PCR test amplifies genetic material from. The virus in cycles. The fewer cycles required, the greater amount of the virus. We, we know how that works. But here's what, mm. here's what they said. Listen to this. This is incredible. In three sets of testing data that included cycle thresholds compiled by officials in Massachusetts, New York, and Nevada, up to 90% of people testing positive carried barely any virus. Most tests set the limit at 40 cycles and a few at 37. This means that you are positive for the virus coronavirus, if the test process requires up to 40 cycles, tests with thresholds so high may detect not just live virus, but also genetic fragments, leftovers from so-called infections that pose no particular risk. So that's in the New York Times. They're basically saying they've amplified the cycles for the PCR tests, and that's why they've got so many cases. Otherwise, on average, they go through different examples on average, like 80 to 90% of the positives are not actually positive. It,
4: no, oh. I, I think um, I think I've read somewhere that uh, with enough amplifications you could prove somebody's got uh, every, uh, everybody's got something. Um, so that's why they uh, they recommend the amplifications at something like I think it was 30 or 35 times and not to exceed that. but of course they've exceeded that, which means that they've got more uh, so-called positives but that the, the po- it's nothing to do with the virus. it's just just genetic material that they're amplifying. Right. Um, but it, it's not the genetic material is is not being matched to anything, uh, any real kind of virus because they've never isolated, purified a virus in the first place. So it's just that they're, they're finding more and more, uh, if you like, genetic material. But as you say, you know, they're not finding much in the way of so-called virus. Again, you know, the so, why we say so-called virus, we've explained. Well, they- um, but, they, you know, they're not actually finding virus they're finding genetic material and that is not the same as finding vi- a virus uh, or a particle called a virus you know th- and that's where they're getting away with um, people thinking that these are cases just because it's a bit of genetic material but it's not it's it's quite uh, complicated
3: and this and this is why the inventor of the pcr as we've said many times carrie um this is why he said right from the outset when they were using it on hiv testing that uh, that's not what the test was designed for. You know, it will give you lots of false information if you use that test, uh, the PCR test. I mean, he was the inventor of it. He got the Nobel Prize for it, you know, so he should know. Um, And yet they just carry on doing it. And that's, that's the frustrating thing about all of this. They try to make out that all the things they do are based on science. And nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing that they do is based on science. In fact, it flies in the face of science, whether it's the PCR test, whether it's a fictitious virus, whether it's masks, social distancing, all of these things uh, are not based on anything scientific whatsoever. And that's what's so frustrating about this whole thing. And then they even admit it.
0: They admit it. And if you read the documents, if you read the papers that they publish, you're you're right, David, they admit it. And they'll even tell you And I want to discuss this when we come back from break. They'll say, well, you could sneeze, you could cough, you could talk, and that spreads the virus. But when you read those reports where they do the study on people talking and sneezing and coughing, they tell you, and I've read this in multiple reports, they tell you, we could not isolate the virus in the droplets. So it's all based on assumption and implication. Mm -hmm. It's a total and absolute fraud. Don Lester, David Parker, what really makes you ill, the book? Get yourself a copy today. You won't regret it. What really makes you ill? Why uh, why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong? I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More with Don and David after this.
1: This is Greg Carlwood of the Higher Side Chats, helping people navigate the rough waters of the vast conspiracy at thehighersidechats.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's The Fringe FM.
2: If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at the secretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, Ryan, and yourself.
1: Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Calling all witches, warlocks, goblins, and ghouls Join us for a two-day Halloween extravaganza Featuring the biggest names in the paranormal universe Friday, October the 30th And Saturday, October the 31st Get your tickets before they sell out at thefringefest.com That is thefringefest.com Trick or truth, the choice is yours
0: You're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting
1: May I have the password, please?
0: The Fringe FM.
1: That's right, sir. That is the password.
0: Hi, this is Andrew Kaufman, MD. I'm a natural healing consultant. Please contact me on my website at andrewkaufmanmd.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. Thesecretteachings.info is our website. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. That's rdgable at yahoo.com if you'd like to get in touch with us. You can also find us on Facebook at The Secret Teachings. Don Lester, David Parker, our guests this evening. What really makes you ill is the book. Why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong. One of the things that I've come across in the last couple of months is all of these reports and studies about particulates when we talk and when we sneeze and when we cough. And a lot of people in my personal life have shown these studies to me and they've said, look, this proves what you're saying wrong, Ryan. You can spread the virus or you can spread any kind of contagion by coughing and sneezing and even talking. And I said, "Okay, well, let me read that because I'd like to be informed if I'm incorrect And I read it, and every time I read it, it always says, whoever the author was, it says, we couldn't isolate the virus. We couldn't isolate the virus when people play instruments and they blow into the instrument. I saw a study on that. We can't isolate the virus in a clean room where people are coughing intentionally. We couldn't isolate anything. They're just assuming that we talk and droplets come out and the droplets themselves are the virus, which it kind of has this implication that, like, human connectivity... Seeing people's faces, shaking hands, even having you know sexual relations, having any kind of um, connection to another human being, talking, all of these things are like dangerous and poisonous and bad for the environment and bad for society. It's very anti-human when you break it down, it feels like.
3: Very much so. And, and that's, that's why I sort of used the term social engineering uh, a little earlier uh, because we know there is no, as I said, uh, the risk of repeating myself as we as i said there is no scientific basis for anything they're doing so you've got to have a look at what is the reason what what are they up to and we we can talk about that if you wish but the social engineering part is is quite worrying and and it ties into what we were saying earlier how then people are self-censoring as to what they say they're self-censoring and imposing rules on themselves as, as we said in the UK people wearing masks walking about in the streets when they, they haven't been asked to do that even by the ridiculous government but um, uh, it becomes the norm you know when people start to which infuriates me when they talk about the new norm this is a phrase that you, you hear a lot uh, and I, it just sends shudders down my spine when people are accepting a new norm where they're not going to be able to meet people in large groups. They're not going to be able to walk about without masks on. They're always going to have to keep the distance. I mean, and this is really anti-human, as you say, because we're as human beings, we're social creatures. And this is really important to us to uh, particularly to be able to see facial expressions. It's very important for young children to be able to see it, particularly sort of babes in arms, you know, to be able to see their mother's expressions. So I, I think we're, we're going to end up with a whole generation of damaged children who have not been able to grow up in their formative years, um, been able to interact properly with people, particularly their parents, where they've not been able to see the expressions and wonder why they've got these hideous black masks on, which uh, a lot of people seem to like to wear.
0: They're not even pretty, you know, they're, they're hideous. Um, well, they come in different colors and different designs now, and you can you can accessorize your mask.
3: You can.
4: Oh, I've seen that. Yes, there was uh, various things where, uh, like a sort of sweatshirt type top, and now you know with a matching pink um, mask. Yeah. So yes, it's it's. It, it shows that it's not intended to be a short-term thing. Obviously, uh, with these different companies putting things out, it, it looks like it's intended to, to keep going, um, which obviously is, is part of the intention. But that really is not a good idea. This has got to stop as soon as possible. Because, uh, you know, as David was saying, with, with the way people are not interacting with each other, you know, th- this is this has got to stop before it becomes so ingrained in people that it becomes right. accepted as normal and it really, really isn't normal at all.
3: And and it's driving wedges between people, not oh, only, absolutely. Uh, as you say, and I think this from the reports we get is worse in the States where people are sort of almost attacking one another in the street if one person is not wearing a mask, you know. We've not had so much of that over here. But um, there is certain social pressures put on people. So you've got, and they try to encourage neighbours to sort of uh, snitch on their neighbors oh yeah you know if they're having too many people around their house or they're not wearing masks when they think they ought to we've even had i know reports uh, uh because i have <laughs> contacts with the police over here where they ring the police up and say that their neighbor has coughed over the fence uh, <laughs> in Jeez. their general direction and you just think i mean uh, yeah. th- thankfully the police don't do anything about it but the fact that people are ringing up the police and reporting their neighbours for such a thing as coughing over the fence
4: but (laughs) even though as ryan was saying you know the reports show that there's nothing in whatever is being coughed that that is causing danger but now um people have bought into the the lie that you know there is something contagious and dangerous and infectious out there that they can all get and yet you know the streets aren't lined with people dropping down, uh, dropping down dead or, you know, collapsing or whatever all over the place. So I don't understand how people can still think that there is a uh, pandemic or, or a serious illness mm-hmm. going around. It really well, it, it just—it's
3: purely based on what the media put out and, and the media are a very important part of this. I mean, if you shut down the mainstream media, no one would know that there was anything happening anywhere. Exactly. I mean, they, exactly. they are yep. extremely guilty in this and I, I hope that one day soon they, they will get their comeuppance along with the governments that have uh, um, sort of perpetrated this crime on humanity because without the mainstream media they wouldn't have been able to do it um, and the, the media uh, it's not as if they're even telling the truth about anything You know, they're, uh, they're just per- perpetuating lies and winding people up and thinking up new ways to sort of uh, scaremonger
0: People. I've got uh, I've got two unbelievable things I wanted to share with you and I was sort of saving this if this came up but the Centers for Disease Control listen to this The Centers for Disease Control remember they say said this thing about social distancing and having close contact with people well it, it was that you shouldn't have close contact for more than 15 minutes at a time and if you do yeah. then you should get a test because you might be sick. Well, now they've reversed both of those things. They're saying you don't need to test if you've been in someone's presence for 15 minutes, even if you know that they've tested positive for the virus. And they said, this was in the Washington Post back October 21st, they reversed their six feet separation policy recommendation, saying that it's 15 minutes in the presence of somebody who has the virus. This is all intended to be confusing and all this minutiae. 15 minutes or more over a 24 hour period. So I guess you're supposed to clock the amount of time you talk to somebody within six feet. So they've changed every little recommendation. And somehow, people that follow this and think that this is like, important, they move along with whatever the authority tells them to do Fauci or the CDC through the media. And today it could be, hey, you need to stand six feet apart. And tomorrow they could say, actually, it's six feet and three inches. And there would be people with measuring tapes, you know, marking yeah. out six feet three inches, as if yesterday it didn't matter. But today, that extra three, those extra three inches are going to save you. It is yeah. unbelievable. And, and if I may, I got to add one more thing. Did you yeah. did you guys see that this our Centers for Disease Control? This is a a literal report. A real report, they said that the problem with the virus, and Forbes magazine published a separate piece that goes along with this. The problem with the virus and the reason it's spreading, number one, the CDC said because white men aged 18 to 24 are not washing their hands. That's a real report. And then another one from Forbes that said the only reason the virus is spreading is because people speak English and English spreads the virus quicker than other languages.
4: (laughs) Oh, that is just absurd! <laughs> absolutely absurd. I, I mean, the second one's absurd. The first one is is far more worrying, uh, because obviously it's got sort of you know racist overtones and all those uh, and, and certainly uh, yeah what yeah white young men aren't aren't washing their hands. Uh, it, it's uh, yeah.
3: Well, it's I have, like, I have but, no
4: words. It's just absolutely outrageous. It's things nothing like, to do with it's that. It's
3: things like this that I sort of almost welcome which may sound a strange thing to say because I, because they are so ridiculous and so patently ridiculous that I'm hoping that more and more people will see that and and say that, well, come on, this is just stupid now. And at last they get the breakthrough and stop paying any attention to them at all. Um, I, I sincerely hope that's what's going to happen, that these monsters that are perpetrating this on humanity will are overstretching themselves with their ridiculous rules that, that as you say they keep changing it uh, almost every other day
4: but that thing about young young men i mean that's just offensive well of course it, it's so. not just i mean of course it, well, is. Yeah.
0: It's meant of course to, it is it's meant to separate and, and it, divide it, even and, further is what it's meant to sorry? do well it's meant to separate and divide people even further not only are you looking hey there's someone without a mask but oh they're 18 19 20 years old they're white so they must be yeah. the reason the virus is spreading
3: yeah Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's all part of this social engineering and creating divisions. It's the age old divide and conquer. If they can get as many uh, factions, shall we say, fighting with one another, you know, it will almost be well. we found people that wear white T-shirts are more likely to (laughs) spread the disease than people that wear red ones. Right. You know, it's almost as ridiculous as that. And I'm sure some people would believe it. I'm probably going to have people writing in now saying, is that true? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all. We, we may get a few emails on that one. <laughs> I'll let you know. Um, and this is the ridiculous nature of it. But as I say, I'm hoping that they're overstepping the mark so much that more and more people will see the ridiculous nature of it and uh, stop listening to anything they say. Uh, but in the meantime, it is it is quite worrying. There was one thing that was going to say, uh, if if I can sort of go back to what we're talking a little bit about Halloween candy, because it's something that. Uh, yeah, of course. Don and, uh, and I could see coming. And that was that, as we have said, without going into the details too much, you know, within the sort of uh, candy that gets put out at any time, but in particular at Halloween, you know, there's a lot of um, ingredients that are in there which uh, are toxic you know, with the sort of, even though you get may get ones that say no artificial uh, colorings, but as you, as you know, uh, I'm sure better than we do, Ryan, you've made a big uh, study of it, that uh, that sentence of uh, no artificial color, uh, colorings can cover a multitude of sins because things that they get to call natural would be things that you would certainly not want within any food product. You know, there can be extracts from animals. Well, gelatine is one of them, but I think there's some more disgusting areas that they uh, extract uh, things from. But they still get to call them natural when there's nothing natural about them at all.
0: Yeah, My and favorite flavors. My favorite is that flavor one. Yeah, you were about to say that. The uh, beaver anal glands. Did you guys read about <laughs> yes. that?
4: Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I was going to say, before we get on to flavorings, I mean, one of the main things in sweets is uh, what makes them sweet, which is the sugar. And um, in some sweets that we looked at, uh, the uh, there were four um, items listed as ingredients that were actually various forms of sugar. So you know, there's sort of as well as sugar, there's glucose syrup and um, what's the other one? Dextrose and caramelized sugar syrup. So you know, they they kind of, they put lots of sugar in there, and of course, you know, you're going to get reactions to that. That causes problems in the body. But um, anyway, go back I to I think just, drinks, yeah.
3: just to come back to what I think it's worth. Uh, elaborating what you were just saying there, Ryan, about the uh, the anal glands of a beaver, if you'd like to continue with that. I, mean, it's, I know it's pretty revolting, but I think people need to know this stuff, you know, as to what they're getting in their uh, candy.
0: Yeah, the That's beaver true. anal glands. That's one of the most disgusting things I've ever read for strawberry and I think they do it for chocolate ice cream too. And that yeah. is classified like anything else that's natural, if it's in the environment, if it tastes like something that's in the environment, it could be a sweet taste, a sour taste, then they can call it a natural flavor because it technically is natural. And that ingre- mm-hmm. that ingredient is castorium, but it'll, it, yeah. it'll be under natural flavor. and And also, I think that this candy thing, which I do every year for Halloween, I do a show on this or maybe two or three, I think it's very relatable to COVID-19 and disease because let's say I decide I would like to sit down and eat a big bag of candy and I do that and I get kind of sick. So maybe I feel really lethargic. I feel kind of tired. Maybe because all the sugar, I get a rash. Maybe my stomach's really full and you get really full and maybe sometimes you have trouble breathing. Well, these are all the symptoms of COVID-19 now. So now I might be sick from a virus, not because I ate 35 Snicker bars.
3: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. It was one of the points we wanted to make uh, on this, because we can see this coming, you know, that, uh, as you say, everyone, particularly children, will have uh, overindulged in this toxic waste uh, that's called candy. And uh, the body will go into a detox mode because that's what it is. So you get the, as you say, you get the headaches, you might get rashes, you'll certainly get congestion, you know, runny nose, which under normal circumstances, parents would have thought, oh, little Johnny's come down with a cold. But, you know, colds are detox, it's a detox process that the body goes through. Well, around something like Halloween, when you've got all this toxic waste going into children, they're going to exhibit these symptoms. But now, because of this, uh, nonsense that's going on it, they're going to think they've gone down with covid which uh, then means that they're going to uh, probably get all sorts of extra tests extra drugs uh, isolation and and a complete family disruption as well as the uh, extra poisons that are going to be administered to their children and perhaps to the adults as well so you can see what's going to happen over uh, over just such a an innocent thing well you say innocent in inverted commas i think for halloween um but a, a normal normal process, a normal celebration, will be uh, blown into something else. But uh, in this case, it will be a rise in uh, so-called COVID cases, which are absolutely nothing to do with uh, a virus at all. So yeah, and and of course, when uh, children also get. Um, hyperactive which is one of the other side effects from uh, some of this toxic waste
4: including that they get, the sugar especially
3: particularly with the sugars mm. yeah and colorings and um, flavorings um, they're going to perhaps get labeled as uh, ADHD you know because they've now become a hyperactive so you need a drug for that too whammy, and uh, then they'll be straight down to the doctors again because that'll be uh, well that's uh, that's obviously another uh, mental disease and so we're going to have to medicate your child with whatever and uh, again many parents will be fairly compliant with that uh, because they don't want to put up with the so-called hyperactive child not realizing it's the candy that they've given them that's put them into that uh, condition and nothing to do with uh, a true mental disorder Um, and so the cycle goes on Um, and children get labelled as having a mental disorder of some sort and are given further medication, which leads, as we know, to all sorts of uh, life-threatening problems. Um, So it's um, the whole thing is really quite worrying and all born out of people's ignorance and acquiescence to these ridiculous measures um, that governments are putting on them and their lack of knowledge about what they're feeding their children.
0: I saw I saw a story that said I've actually seen a number of these, but I saw one recently that said these incredibly scary or terrifying covid symptoms will have you up at night. And then you read it and it's like Dr. Anthony Fauci is telling people that there are new symptoms, uh, including lethargy, including, uh, you know, fever, including uh, a little bit of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, like normal things that any person goes through on a daily basis, like you work a long day. You get fatigued. Fatigue is one of the top symptoms of COVID-19. I mean, it's (laughs) preposterously fraudulent. Yeah,
3: yeah.
4: Wow, absolutely. I mean... um,
3: And people fall for it. You know, they take it on, as you said earlier, they just take on anything that comes out as a governmental statement or through the media. They take it as that's the truth and uh, ridicule anyone, like ourselves, of course, um, who say there's a different story to be had here um and uh, i mean we've even got the situation i just mentioned it briefly um uh the lady whose son has just gone onto the bbc radio here this is a 20 year old uh university student who's decided to go onto the bbc radio to denounce i mean denounce his mother as a, a dangerous uh conspiracy theorist and uh, I don't know Do may remember the lady's name
4: it's the nurse Kate Shemirani
3: who's, who's been uh,
4: putting out quite a bit of information on you know the dangers of well the, the fact that there you know there, there is isn't no a, virus. there is no virus but also the dangers of the vaccine um and she's been uh, at at a number of the protests in london and speaking out and also sort of presenting at uh well lots of videos putting quite a lot of information out to um really kind of uh well help help people understand that you know this really is a hoax and and yet her uh, it's di- well it's divided her family because her son as as david said has come out and denounced her to the BBC. I mean, that on is national, just...
3: On national radio. Yeah. And this is, this, is the, this is how far it's gone, where you've got a 20-year-old son denouncing his mother publicly as a menace to society, literally saying that she's dangerous and, uh, you know, this is going to cause deaths. I mean, it's unbelievable. And it was particularly... Interesting. Well, we couldn't listen to the whole thing, or I should have switched it off because it was... Uh, sickening, uh, and and I do mean that, because they couldn't even report, the BBC this is, couldn't even report accurately and fairly uh, the position that the mother had taken. I mean, some years ago she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer, and rather than having chemotherapy or any of the normal uh, medical establishment uh, so-called remedies, uh, she decided to uh, look into sort of like Gershon and uh, you no know, natural remedies which actually cured her symptoms and she's fine her cancer went and she's alive and healthy but the BBC didn't say any of that all as they referred to is the fact that she'd had breast cancer but sought refuge and comfort in herbal remedies that's all they said they never said and it actually cured her <laughs> and this is how distorted uh, they put out their information, just a little example of it. But the main point being that, uh, it, you know, her own son has d- felt it necessary to denounce her publicly on uh, the BBC. Uh, you, you just think, where, where is this going to end?
0: Well, you, you've could, got that sort of thing? you could take um, any, any official name for like a part of the body, for example, like the epidermis, the outer layer of your skin. And you could, you could tell someone, you have epidermis and they'd be freaking out. What am I going to do? I've got epidermis. You just have skin, but it sounds scary. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah.
1: That's what...
4: Yes, it's the science thing because um, so somehow, um, well, sci- scientists have made out that science is such a a uh, specialized area that, that only certain people understand it and the general public don't understand it so they have to explain it to us and we can't look for ourselves um because we just you know if we're not trained in it then we don't understand all their terminology and and so the whole anything that's put to um be based on science that everyone just, well, just believes it because so few people actually bother to look into it and in all these different uh terms and the jargon is, is so complex and all these different uh, um ways of explaining things it's too complex for you know the simple souls and so you know that well it's it's being blinded by science isn't it so it is, it is. people don't look into it but as you say you know just use just use a you know, a, a technical term or a bit of Latin and, you know, you scare everybody.
0: Well, that's, I've done shows on this before where people will say, yes, yeah, science is like a, a is like a new priest craft, but it really mm-hmm. is. I mean, the white lab coats themselves are like the robes of the Drudic magicians, the different colors, the way that they wave around medical papers or stethoscopes or little tongue compressors. These are like the magic wands, the language that they use. Yes. Speaking in Latin, you have osteoporosis and well, you have dermatitis, and these sound like really scary things, but it's it's like uttering a curse, or it's like uttering a spell, but it's really simple to understand if you read it yourself, and you don't rely on an authority figure to tell you what something means, because you could say, you could just create statistics, like if you have epidermis, if you have skin, everybody's got skin, if you have skin, you're 100% likely to die in your lifetime, <laughs> right? Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they create these statistics. uh, Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) It's ridiculous.
3: And you'd be right, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But as you
4: say, using the term epidermis, everyone goes, oh, what's, you know, And, and most people, the vast majority of people, don't bother to look it up.
3: Uh, I mean, we, we did a a whole section once uh, not so long ago with uh, one of the interviews, which was all to do with education. I won't go through it all now, but um, it's the way people are educated right from when they first get to school. And it's not an education, it's an indoctrination. And people are educated in a certain way to be conformist and to respect authority and not to question it. And, uh, and that's where it all starts. And, of course, that uh, they're sort of designed and trained uh, in a way just to be factory fodder or cannon fodder, as we often say. But and it shows
4: uh, how, how effective it is because everyone's following orders even though the orders may be changing, um, you know, and they're or, self-imposing, though. So or not it, shows, it, it yeah. shows how they, you know, they are following authority and it really works. And you wonder if... Uh, you know, one of the reasons why they keep changing the um, information they put out and things that people are supposed to follow uh, intentionally to see just how um, how much people have are, are just simply following the orders without bothering to question. I mean, anyone that does question is, is then be called, uh you know, called a crazy or a nut um so yes it is all divide and conquer but it is it's certainly worrying that so few people are bothering to look into it they just say oh yes of course it's been isolated of course um it's caused by a virus and yes you've got to follow this and yes you've got to you know if you don't wear a mask then you could be you know killing off other people and you want to say with what
3: Why? (laughs) Well, I noticed. You know, they won't
4: answer.
3: I noticed the BBC, and this was only yesterday. I try not to watch it, but sometimes you have to to just see where they are. And um, because they'd made it a rule, although people, like you said, think it's a law, that on public transport you must wear these hideous masks all the time. and But the newscaster was saying, but there are some selfish people who don't want to wear a mask, you know. So if you don't wear a mask, you're selfish rather than, uh, you know, so immediately there's the uh, a stigma attached to anyone, even though under the government guidelines, their own guidelines, they acknowledge that some people, for because of underlying health issues, cannot wear a mask, you know. It can either be psychological. Uh-huh. So they, they acknowledge that that's a fact. And yet you've got... Newscasters on the BBC uh, in mainstream news saying that if they're not wearing a the mask, they're just selfish. Uh, no mention of the fact that this, these people may have an underlying health
0: problem. Uh, that is that is gaslighting and bullying, pure and simple, is all that is. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> this is why I get very angry about the media's uh, complicity in in all of this um, because. Th- i often sort of try to get people to remember those who remember back to october of last year with the uh, event 201 that was uh, for those who were looking you know was on the internet where uh, all the sort of bill gates type people had got together uh, to talk about a fictitious virus arising in china and all the measures that they would need to take uh, one of which they did decided which was the most one of the most important which is which is a complete control of the media so that uh, it was sort of 24 7 um propaganda going out they didn't use that word of course uh to
0: information control
3: yeah keep hitting people <laughs> yeah uh, and not to allow any dissenting voices let's, let's, and of course this is exactly what they've been doing you know shutting down people's youtubes not allowing any debates on television or radio what or anyone could put up an alternate view. Uh, and uh, so they said exactly what they were going to do back in October of last year. And it's there for people to see. Let's go into more detail
0: of that. Let's go into more detail of that when we come back, because there are a few other things on that note about Event 201 and others that I wanted to share with you. A show that I did on Monday called Dark Winter. I want to get your take on that. If you know what that is, I want to get your take on a clinicaltrials.gov Yale University study from a few months ago back in July about how to coerce the public into doing things that are not good for their health, let's say, to keep it really simple, but how to manipulate people into doing that. We'll talk about dentistry and some other stuff that Don had told me that she wanted to talk about. Don Lester, David Parker, the book What Really Makes You Ill? Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease is Wrong. I'm Ryan Gable. My book is Food Philosophy. It's on the website at thesecretteachings.info. That's thesecretteachings.info. More with Don and David right after this.
1: This is Mark Booth, author of The Secret History of the World and The Sacred History, and you've been listening to The Secret Teachings. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email r.d.gable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash TheSecretTeachings or visit the website at www.TheSecretTeachings.info
0: You could listen to this. And that show is now running all day Friday and all day Saturday on History Channel, which is really amazing. It's, I don't know if there's any other show on TV that's doing that right now, so... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history, symbolism, parapolitics, myth, and more. We don't have insiders or some galactic confederation ambassador, but we do have books, memories, critical thinking skills, and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot. But don't take my word for it.
1: I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist.
0: Find the fringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books www.thesecretteachings.info and The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but...
1: I hate this channel.
0: Are you ready to explore the unknown and the secret teachings? Do you have everything you need?
1: I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. SpongeBob sounds ready. Are you... We are The Fringe FM.
2: Do you like the secret teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info.
1: What happens when you bring the Fringe FM together with the world's leading paranormal experts and influencers? What if no topic was off the table, including paranormal events, conspiracy theory, witchcraft, psychic abilities, astrology, ufology, and more? And what would happen if you broadcast this event in crystal clear video live around the world, allowing viewers to interact with their favorite presenters? You would have created the monster that is The Fringe Fest 2020, two nights only, Friday, October 30th and Saturday, October 31st. Go to TheFringeFest.com for more info, get your tickets today at TheFringeFest.com. That is TheFringeFest.com, trick or truth, it's up to you. It's, It's great to know that there are some young people in America who do have a good mind and are actually seeing what's going on and doing something about it. And that's why I'd uh, be delighted to come on your show anytime. You call me and I'll be there. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. It's time you got acquainted with the real hard truth.
0: I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. You can find The Secret Teachings five nights a week, Monday through Friday. We're here every night of the week, right here on The Fringe. Our website is www.thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Don't be afraid to send us a message, rdgable at yahoo.com. Our guests this evening, Don Lester and David Parker, authors of What Really Makes You Ill? Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease is Wrong. And I know a lot of you think that I know a lot about health. And maybe I do, but when I read this book, I learned more in the pages of this book than I've learned in the last four or five books I've read about health it's an incredible incredible compilation of material and I'm not just saying that to talk Don and David up it's really like one of my favorite books what really makes you ill you can go and get yourself a copy of that today Don Lester David Parker what really makes you ill Don and David I have something I wanted to share with you in relation to what David you were saying at the uh, the end of the last segment you were talking about event 201 do you guys know anything about Clade X or about Dark Winter? There's other exercises for bioterrorism and pandemics.
3: No, those, those
4: yes, names... Yes, I, I have heard of the Dark Winter. It's it's come up fairly recently. I've not looked into it in, in any detail. Um, but obviously, as we're heading towards winter, I suppose it's something we need to learn a little bit more about.
3: Uh, please, please, uh, I'd like to know. Yes, I, I'm familiar with the name, but I don't know the significance of it at this stage.
0: Well, I, I've talked about it for a couple of, uh, couple of months back and forth during this so-called pandemic about Dark Winter, um, about Clade X, and there are a handful of others as well. In 2001, I'll keep this short, but in 2001, there was a bioterrorism exercise, and they actually conducted it ritually on the summer solstice. And when they conducted this exercise, it was about a biological attack using weaponized smallpox. That was the story. And you can get a copy of this script if you go to Johns Hopkins' Dark Winter. They have a copy you can download of it. It's still there. I just downloaded a copy the other day. And it's about a bioterrorism attack of smallpox and how the United States goes into a, a, a deep depression because it's a really bad winter and cases of the smallpox are spreading Rapidly, people are dying, people are sick, and how to handle that scenario. Now, that came to more public light all over social media when, at our presidential debate last week, presidential candidate Joe Biden said, We're actually moving into a dark winter. And then people started thinking, Well, that's kind of weird. What does that mean? And they would go and look it up and, Oh, it was a bioterrorism exercise about a biological attack and about how we have a really bad winter. And we're actually getting that now, guys, in the United States. We've got record snowfall in places, uh, storms that are just out of the ordinary. I mean, it's naturally in the cycles of nature, but it's out of the ordinary because we haven't had this for a while. So we are entering a dark winter. We do have a so-called pandemic. So it's similar to that exercise. And then you had Clade X. A little bit later on, Clade X was about a novel coronavirus um, and then you had a number of others in the middle. And then you have Event 201 that, that you mentioned, David. So it's like all these different exercises and, and, and reports and studies kind of came together. Um, and there was even a story from the Foreign Policy magazine, which is like a huge globalist UN-like newspaper magazine. And they were saying, hmm, isn't that kind of strange? The dark winter exercise from 20 years ago is essentially what's happening today. Interesting how they were able to predict that all these geniuses that could tell the future. It's like now they just put together these different scripts and Organize things in a way where they have the solution to the problem whether they created or not and it's always just more authoritarianism
3: Yes, and I i Couldn't agree more. I mean and just a point I'd like to make because you you talked about the sort of uh, freakish weather that you are sort of getting um, there's been quite a bit of that around the world. And um, knowing what we know about the uh, weather control systems that they have, mostly secretive, uh, I'm, I'm not just talking about sort of uh, chemtrails, um, but uh, these sort of freakish weather conditions, um, I'd, I'd, I'm suspicious now that any of these freakish weather conditions are natural. I know that the planet, of course, uh, has uh, climate changes. You know, there's nothing uh, unusual about that. It's done it for millions of years. You know, so all these people who think uh, man's responsible for it because of they use their cars a lot more uh, and CO2, that's all just nonsense, but that's a whole big subject in itself. But the more um, short, sharp, Climatic changes or local weather conditions, shall we say, more accurately. Um, I think um, a a control too. We know we know they have the facilities to do that with uh, things like HARP and that type of uh, uh, high-frequency, high-powered radio systems, where they can beam these. uh, frequencies off the ionosphere and sort of direct them to any point on the earth's surface uh you know they can move the jet stream about by it by heating up certain areas of the ionosphere so there's all sorts of things they can do to modify the weather and direct storms and I I think there's quite a lot of literature about now about using weather modification as a weapon you know so on a particular country they can sort of decide that they're going to have uh, extreme rainfall or the opposite you know extreme drought Uh, and so they can they can manipulate these things of course and it's easy to step back and not get blamed for it so uh, i think people you know they can do a little bit of research themselves so uh, it doesn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me should i say if uh, many if not all of these uh, freak weather conditions that we get um, are actually manipulated you know, and that can even be as far as a sort of a, a hurricane um, and the sort of devita- devastation that that can cause. They have the technology to be able to to do these things, not only to cause them but to move them about. So, uh, something that's, that people might like to look into.
0: That's been well documented since uh, since Vietnam and before, actually. Uh, I think it was back in the '40s or '50s, um, even in the early 20th century. You know, there were experiments in weather control and weather modification, yeah. manipulation, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I've, yeah. um, I've looked at that a lot. I actually have a section on my, in my book, the technological elixir about weather control and stuff of that nature. So, um, very well documented. You're right. And I know that, uh, you guys in what really makes you ill, you guys also talk about genetic engineering. You did have a small section on geoengineering in the book too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that all uh, connects and ties in. Go ahead, Don.
4: Yeah, no, all I was going to say was, uh, you know, going back on um, what you were saying about the dark winter and talking about um, using uh, these various uh, so-called infectious diseases as bioweapons, um, that's something, again, because there is no evidence that any virus or bacterium is the cause of any disease. There is actually nothing that can be made into a bioweapon uh, because obviously bioweapons mean, you know, a biological entity that is... Um, believed to cause disease and therefore that's spread around now that isn't possible because none of these um, entities have been shown to cause disease and I mean, viruses aren't even alive as as we've discussed before
3: what point! because there's been lots of discussion on the internet and in various sort of alternative media about even the coronavirus itself being some sort of bioweapon created in a lab somewhere either in China or somewhere else but as Dawn's quite rightly said, you know, to make a bioweapon out of something, out of some living thing, you've got to prove that one, it's alive, which none of these viruses are; there are just particles. Uh, and two is that it's uh, pathogenic, uh, which has never been proved either. So you can't make a bioweapon out of it. I mean, you can make chemical weapons, right? You can uh, make chemical out of chemicals, weapons. and this is really what's. If anything, what can happen, you know, they may make uh, biological, make uh, chemical weapons, but they can't actually make biological weapons out of something, particularly a virus, which is a, a cellular particle, which is not alive and never has been alive. And this, of course, is one of the big drawbacks for them being able to blame viral particles so-called on causing disease how can something that's not alive is not a living entity cause a disease it's uh, completely so, inert
0: so if you if and you can't create our
3: research shows that it's it's more likely it's just cellular debris and uh, no one can prove it's anything else so again so you they... can't make a bi- biological weapon out of it
0: so david if you can't create a biological weapon out of it but you can create chemical weapons and you can't not you, but anybody that that looks for it, you can't find evidence that there's, um, you know, a cause for disease and viral particulates or bacteria. And you guys go into this in great detail in the book, what really makes you ill. But if you can't find evidence of that, just like with masks, and you can't find evidence that they even the CDC says they don't even have evidence of a virus, They they acknowledge that themselves. So if they can't prove it to you, And when you ask others, can you prove to me why I need to do this or that? And they tell you, well, just rely on what Fauci says or just rely on what the government says. So what they have to do instead of finding evidence and proof is that they create these kinds of reports here. This is from clinicaltrials.gov, the U.S. National Library of Medicine and Yale University, David. And this is a way in which to get people, according to this study, to get people to take a vaccination despite any information that might prove that it's dangerous or even deadly. And they go through a list of ways to convince people to do it. And some of the ideas that they give are uh, guilt messages. They say guilt is a way to convince people. Self-interest, community interest. These are all pretty self-explanatory. You know, if you don't get it, other people are going to get sick. So why would they need to create this long list of control messages and guilt messages and self-interest messages and why would the government and major universities need to fund this if they just had proof they could show us the proof and yeah there might be like 10 people that wouldn't buy it but what about all that evidence if it existed they should be able to just show it to us and then we would be like okay that makes sense i'll do what you're saying but they have to create these manipulative guidelines to trick people into doing it because they don't have any evidence or proof
3: Exactly. And of course, their ultimate, and this is what they've been doing, I believe, in some states, California, and they're trying to do over here in the UK, is because they know people are getting switched on and realise that there's no evidence to prove that any vaccination confers immunity. Um you know, gives you any protection whatsoever, but that they do cause a lot of harm. There's plenty of evidence to show they cause a lot of harm, but no evidence to show they uh, do any good. So they know people are getting wise to this. And so what's their final thing? If they can't persuade you, well, we'll make it compulsory. Mm -hmm. We'll make it uh, illegal for you not to have it. But what they're tending to do in in the UK is to sort of make it compulsory through the back door at the moment. You know, so some schools will not allow your children to go to their school unless they've had whatever the raft of vaccinations is that they want. So although the government's not made it compulsory, in effect, your child can't go to school unless they've had the vaccinations. And of course, now they're trying to do the same thing for travel, uh, where, I mean, already some countries, you know, I experienced this many years ago when I was working in Africa, Um, before I knew anything that I know now about vaccinations. And of course, I had to have all sorts of vaccinations uh, before I was allowed to go into Africa in certain areas. But now, of course, they're wanting to extend that to travel anywhere. So, and particularly to ensure that you've had the, whatever this nightmare of a vaccination is going to be, that comes down the line to supposedly protect people against the uh, coronavirus is that you're going to have a, to have a certificate that says i've had the vaccination before you're allowed to go anywhere uh, and this is really what they're wanting to do
4: and they're starting to bring that in uh i believe in the uk well i think it's actually already started or it's about to start where uk is going to be one of the first places they bring in the these idea of, of health passports or um um some kind of uh Uh, information that you've got to give them about it's not so much obviously with the vaccine but you've got to give them all sorts of information before you're allowed to fly and um, I'm Heathrow airport and with flights going out to Newark so I'm afraid we won't be coming to visit you (laughs) (laughs) so yes no not while these but why they're starting well they're actually bringing it into the UK um, for you know that they're going to be the kind of guinea pigs as it were for this type of system
0: you guys have a lot of that over there you guys are like one of the testing grounds for surveillance technology and yes any kind of authoritarianism
3: very much so it's uh where uh, we're supposed to be and i do believe it's uh, one of the most uh, surveilled populations in the world you know i mean you can't turn a street corner there's cameras up everywhere um but of course the the strange thing is and I know this has happened lots from friends that have, where they've been burgled or things have happened, and they've gone to the authorities and said, um, "Well, surely it'll be on your camera there, which is looking sort of almost straight into my garden." Uh, and always they get the same answer: "Well, the, uh, the camera wasn't working at the particular time that uh, uh, you, you're uh, requesting the information." And this always happens; it's not just once in a while. Whenever you want some real information that would be helpful the cameras, for some reason, weren't working.
4: And that happens on big events as yeah, well. I mean, yeah. that's one of the big things with um, certain, again, events that have happened here where you think, well, you know, with, with all this CCTV, surely they would have caught, you know, the perpetrators of whatever these crimes are. And and um they just found, oh, no, they weren't working or they were switched off or, you know, yeah. somebody... Oh, you know, yeah. It's,
3: and some of them are quite glaring. I mean, I was reading... Some reports, I know I know it's a few years ago now, of uh, Princess Diana when the sort of infamous car crash in the tunnel in, in Paris. That's the sort of thing I mean. That's, and that's right, yep. Yet, yet again, just all of the security cameras or all the surrounding area, including in the tunnel, just didn't happen to be working at the time the cars entered the tunnel and the crash. Uh, and they were off, for uh, and so were the police radios, for at least 20 minutes. What a strange coincidence that all the cameras and the police radios had all gone dead all at the most vital time. I mean, again, highly suspicious, I would think.
0: Same thing with September 11th, 2001 here in the United States. And then it turns out that the cameras weren't weren't were not malfunctioning or were not turned off. It's just that the FBI had gone and confiscated the tapes from the surrounding areas of the Pentagon. So whatever hit the Pentagon was on video. But the FBI just came along and took the tapes and then they said, well, the cameras weren't working. Yeah. Yeah. And and there are reports out of New York as well where Jeffrey Epstein supposedly hanged himself where the cameras magically turned off then or security gets called off of presidents like John F. Kennedy and then he gets shot. And same thing with his brother, Robert Kennedy, security gets called off, cameras go down. So it's like it's like with health, the more cameras we have, you'd think it would make us safer, but it actually makes us less safe and we have less privacy. And you would think with all the health care, all the incredible drugs and surgeries and scalpels and vaccines, we'd be healthier. But generally speaking, we're more sick than we've ever been.
4: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, the um, the numbers of uh, people suffering with all sorts of um, chronic conditions is is going up all the time. I mean, we document it in the book with um, you know the rates of cancer, uh, which is you know now what they're still fighting. Yeah, I mean, in instead of uh, helping people, it's yeah, it's now down to one in uh, yeah down to one in two where it was you know huge. Uh, I don't know. It, well, it was almost not known in. Um, I think in years, the yeah. well, more, more than that, in the 19th century, I mean, there are reports saying you know very few, uh, there were very few cases of cancer that doctors were coming across, but they noticed that um, the the rates were certainly increasing once vaccinations had been brought in, and it was something that again, you know, don't hear very often, that uh, you know these were medical doctors who were noticing that an in- there was an increase in cases once vaccination programs started ramping up, so. You know, there's another link for
0: you. Yeah, I yeah. saw I saw some signs at the store the other day that said get your flu shot, get your flu shot, which is, you know, normal, but I looked at that and I and I thought something different than I normally think. I thought I just saw the numbers for the flu. They said that like 62 people have died. It's down like 99%. Why would anybody get a flu shot now? Like doesn't at some point this just not add up? <laughs> <laughs>
4: No, it doesn't add up. But of course, all what use what would have been called flu um, are now being uh, categorised as uh, COVID. So, yes, I mean, I mean, a lot of people are noticing, noticing that uh, you know that there's not much flu going around. But even then, that's you know that that's still a mistake, which is why we say you know what people know about disease is wrong because these aren't diseases they are uh, the body's processes of expelling toxins and again like we're saying with with halloween with all these you know candy and stuff that that there will be symptoms of um, children's bodies expelling these toxins Uh, also moving as you you said um, right at the beginning talking about thanksgiving that's another period where people indulge in uh, overeating over drinking and well if they'll do that this year but it's another time where people have Um, celebrations and obviously eat somewhat differently from how they would normally do and then are surprised when they have certain symptoms afterwards or you know whether they feel a bit lethargic or you know stomach upsets or uh you congestion know, congestion yeah. of, of different notes. kinds yeah so uh and and again you know with coming up to christmas you know there's another period where you know people indulge and then they get um you know the seasonal flu that comes around in january which is not surprising because these are yet more symptoms of detoxification from all the overindulgence in uh, sweet things and sugars and, and um, all the different yeah. things that are in food products, all the, you know, the chemicals. I mean, we've, I think we talked about processed food products and uh, just how many chemicals are in there. And the body doesn't recognize them as food and so wants to expel them. And then, um, you know, these different symptoms. So whether it's rashes or fevers or just feeling lethargic and, and all kinds of congestions so that to, you know, that that's all part of the body's normal process.
3: Yeah, And I mean, straight after Christmas, oh, uh, absolutely. again, as you can, you can see what's going to happen because people, as you say, in the past, as Dawn said, it would normally be, oh, it's the flu season, you know, January, February, uh, never tied to the detox of what's been going off at Christmas. But this coming year, you can see what's going to happen. People will go down with the same symptoms after overindulging, but now it'll be COVID. So, you know, there'll be a a rising COVID cases. So we're going to have to put in more stricter measures. We're going to have to have a more lockdown. You know, people obviously weren't doing what they were told. And avoiding one another over christmas you know they've been getting together with their family and friends how against dare they? How, dare, yes, how dare they yes <laughs> against our recommendations and now this is what's happened so we're going to have to put in some stricter measures you can see what's going to happen and uh, unfortunately unless people wake up and refuse to have anything to do with this nonsense it will just get worse um and uh, well that's what this is all about this is what we try to do in the interviews like with, with yourself Ryan, and and try to get the message out there as much as possible to tell people they they don't have a lot of time now you know the uh, they're you know they're really putting on the pressure the powers that be um, I'm trying not to use any too uncharitable names to call them but uh, um, if people don't start to uh, push back and I'm not talking about violence, but just to, to wearing the mask for a start. Because that will take off the badges so that people can, the authorities can see that you're not compliant anymore. You're not acquiescing to their ridiculous rules. And uh, they, they will be forced to back off people to your government to start to show some sense. You know, as we've seen, many small businesses are going out of business, you know, little restaurants and uh, cafeterias and bars. And they're appealing to the government to sort of relax the uh, restrictions and. Um, uh, and think the government's gonna do something about it. Well, they're, they're not, because the, that's the intention. You know, The people that are pulling the strings in the background here, they want to create chaos, both financial, um, You know, they, because if they can create this chaos, they know that if people are out of work, they have no money, they have no jobs, they start to lose their houses, they start to become sicker, depressed, even to the point of suicide, then they're much easier to control and they will bring in even more radical yeah. measures. Um, and we've seen so, su-
0: suicide rates have skyrocketed in the United States, yeah. and I yeah. don't know about the rest of the world. Also, I, there's a couple of things that you guys were saying I took a note of I wanted to mention. Uh, first of all, flu season. Uh, that just sounds like sports to me. It's like this, the flu season kicks off January 1st, like it's some specific day and time where everybody just magically gets sick. It's all a construct. Just like, you know, diseases and and, and symptom complexes. It's just a, it's a construct. Um, Here's an, let me give you an example. And then I would like to get into the subject of candy and Halloween a little bit more in detail. And we'll skip, we'll skip this third break here too. So we have some more time. Um, But, but recently I've tried to learn how to bake. I'm a good cook, but I'm not a really good baker. So I thought I'm going to try to make a pizza. So I got the flour, got the water, just all raw vegetables on top that I cut up. And uh, I don't do meat or cheese, but I put all the vegetables on top and I made the pizza a couple of days in a row. And I made uh, a really good one the other night. I finally kind of mastered it. And I got so excited that I ate the whole pizza. Now, it wasn't like a giant pizza, but it was, you know, it was a good amount. And I woke up the next morning, as would be expected, feeling kind of sick. And I know that, I know that like 10 years ago, I would have had, I would have told someone or I would have gone to the doctor, you know, if I felt like that the whole next day and they would have probably obviously given me some kind of medication or they would have given me these guidelines on how to take care of myself. But really it's just, I ate too much of something and now maybe my body's really hot and I feel bloated. It, that, that is like the most obvious thing in the world. You put something and too much of it into your body. It's no wonder that you don't feel good, even if that's so-called healthy food. That's like really obvious first of all, yeah. should be. Um,
4: yes, yes, but as you say, uh, it should be obvious, um, but it isn't to most people. They uh, immediately think they've got something, um, and that that's one of the hardest things for people to get their head around and it's something that we keep coming across with, you know, people asking us, well, but I I got this or I had that and they're fixated on this idea that there is a, a disease or a, a disorder or something that they got or have um instead of as you say you know looking at well hang on a minute what what did i oh i had a little bit too much to eat yesterday yes it was nice but i i had a little bit too much and then you know all all we need to do the next day is to just you know take it very easy and be gentle with with what you eat and then that'll pass and your body will deal with it normally um but as you say, it's uh, it's a completely different mindset. Most people are still stuck in the "I've got something wrong. Oh, I need to go to the doctor because they know what to do to fix me." And everyone is just after this quick fix, whereas getting uh, restoring health and and getting back to a state of health is is it takes a lot um takes longer than this sort of overnight fix it isn't an overnight fix but if you do it properly you can maintain it and you can uh you know you you can obviously with these indulgences uh, but you know what causes it and you know what to do to rectify it just by you know being gentle on on yourself and not that's eating too much
0: that's empowering so you
4: can count-
3: And of course going to the doctor is probably well not probably is the worst thing you can do yes because all they're going to do if they do anything is give you some uh toxic medicine and i I use that uh, purposely because none of the medicines they give you whether it's in pill form or liquid form or any other form um, it's all toxic it's all you know petroleum based and it's toxic there's nothing that they can give you that will cure anything you know, it may ameliorate, ameliorate the symptoms temporarily, but it won't cure anything. And you will have other side effects from it too. So it's, uh, as we say, as we unfortunately have come to the conclusion in our book uh, by looking at the evidence, um, doctors do not understand the human body. And uh, hence why we've got the uh, quote from Voltaire on the back of the book, uh, you know. So it's, it's, the doctor is the worst person to go to you know there's uh, much uh, more informed places to go to and people do need to be very careful about as we say what they put in and on their body uh, and hence and we explain the four reasons why people get ill uh, and none of them are anything to do with germs because germs so-called germs bacteria or viruses um, they are not the things that make people ill which we as you said right at the beginning, we spent nearly 800 pages in our book explaining that to people. Um, So we we do hope they take notice and uh, educate themselves so that they don't fall into these traps and uh, they realize where, if they do get ill, where it's coming from
0: and what to do about it. Where can listeners get a copy of the book, Don Lester, David Parker, What Really Makes You Ill?
3: Well, the easiest place is, uh, I mean, any online bookstore, if you type type it into your browser of choice uh, for online bookstores. Um, There's surprised me there's many of them that uh, you can buy. You're obviously from Amazon. Uh, Everything ends up in Amazon. So you can buy it from Amazon anywhere in the world. Um, uh, You can find out more about the book if you go to our website, which is whatreallymakesyouill.com. There's quite a lot of information on there and uh, various videos and uh, podcasts that we've done and uh, uh, documents that we've put up there so that people can see but um, yeah but it's all in the book you can buy it as a kindle version if people don't want to buy the the paperback because uh, it is quite a tome and um, yeah the the kindle version's about ten dollars so it's it's not expensive if you if you want to go for that it's got all the same information in it and uh, we hope people will take note of it and uh, get themselves educated. They'll take back control of their health and uh, have a better life for it. And it will help them to see through the lies and corruption that's being perpetrated on the whole of humanity at the moment with this fake uh, virus. Um, so, yeah, that's my
0: recommendation. U- ultimately, it's self-responsibility, self-reliance, and it's. Uh, I think it boils down to when you are able to do that and you work through a process of realizing what that is, ultimately it saves you money and it saves you a lot of stress because you don't have to worry about catching a virus per se. You just worry about yourself and how you take care of yourself and the environment that you're in and try to limit the toxins that you're exposed to or what goes into your body. That's a very empowering thing, and maybe that's, maybe that's scary to some people. But and in, in, On the subject of toxins going into the body, let's spend this last little bit of time tonight talking about Halloween and candy, because I really wanted to discuss that since Halloween is this weekend. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, I I would eat everything. And I was very, very sick. And all the things that I was sick with have gone away over the years because I've switched, not intentionally, but over the years, it's developed into basically what is a plant-based diet, a whole foods plant-based diet. And all my issues for the most part have gone away except stress and anxiety, which causes some other issues sometimes with the skin or with the heart. And I know that it's anxiety. I know that it's stress. So that was very empowering for me to realize that. But let's go back to Halloween, Halloween candy. What would you guys like to talk about?
3: Well, I'd like to mention because it's it's attached to it. uh, I'd like to talk about dentistry, which might sound a little strange, but uh, it is is actually all connected with the uh, toxic intake of, halloween Um, because one of the other side effects of uh, eating uh, this high sugar content candy um, is uh, rotting uh, children's teeth in particular now i know that they sort of mainstream will say it's all to do with bacteria while people get cavities and but it's not it's to do with what they eat and particularly sugar is very bad for ruining teeth but what then happens you're into another process then as children then go to have their teeth treated by the dentist you know they will want to put in amalgam fillings you know well amalgam fillings uh, for people that are not sure you know they're very extremely toxic you know they they have toxic metals a mix of toxic metals in them uh, which uh, will be mercury zinc copper tin and silver um, now yes mercury is in there now you, you would think and i have asked dentists about this and they get very angry when you question them about it as to why they ever thought it was a good idea to put mercury one of the most toxic substances on earth uh why they ever thought it was a good idea to put it in people's mouths uh you know and some think that it's a good excuse to say well it used to be lead uh and think well, oh that's okay then so you stop putting lead in people's mouths, and you put mercury in instead um but, yeah, they really believe this and they really believe that uh, in that mix of mercury, zinc, copper, tin and silver, that somehow uh, that binds it all together and none of those toxic metals are going to uh, get into your bloodstream in any way. And yet it's been proved, particularly with mercury, that it, uh, the vapours from it, uh, every time you eat or drink anything, is, is getting into your system and, of course, leads to all sorts of uh, neurological problems which could be some of the things that children then get treated for, you know, ADHD, I'm thinking of again. Um, But also, which is probably something that people are not all that aware of, is that, uh, and from my point of view as an electrical engineer, it's sort of particularly interesting, because wherever you get dissimilar metals, and you've got a few of them there, and what can be called an electrolyte, which would be in this case, the saliva in your mouth, you've actually got a tiny battery. So each of your amalgam fillings becomes a little battery, which gives out an electrical charge. And that electrical charge is disruptive, particularly as it's in your mouth. So it's disruptive to the brain and the brain's functions and the whole neurological thing. So there can be all sorts of uh, unrecognized problems that are actually stemming from not only the toxicity of the amalgam fillings, which have resulted from the toxic Candy that people have had, uh, but also from the electrical discharge from these tiny batteries, which are now in your teeth. Now, there's, a, and I'll, I'll give you a very interesting case, which I don't think I've talked to you about before. Uh, and this was written by uh, a dentist, uh, uh, I think, Mr. Huggins, was it? Mm. In, uh, and uh, a dentist met, it in the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's in in the book. But a very interesting case where i will got a long story short, but uh, a young g- girl had come to his dental practice to uh, have some dental work done. Uh, but uh, the parents told him that she'd also got leukemia, had been diagnosed with leukemia. And he asked the parents permissions for uh, to if he could take out all of the uh, amalgam fillings that the young lady had got in her mouth. Uh, and they gave him permission to do this. So he took them all out. And um, over a period, just a few days, uh, she was tested and shown that her leukaemia had disappeared. Okay. now the medical establishment just believed this was a fluke and could be nothing to do with the fact that he'd taken out her amalgam fillings. So he said, fair enough, I'll put them all back, which he did. And sure enough, her leukaemia came back. So I'm happy to say that uh, they realized that there was actually something in this. And uh, so he did get permission to take uh, take them out again so that uh, the young lady uh, did stay clean of leukemia. But that's quite a striking, I think, example of how something like amalgam fillings can cause in a, a young girl uh, leukemia. And which was quite obviously a direct result of the toxicity of her amalgam fillings. So um, just uh, I give that to just so that people can see just uh, the dangers of uh, dentistry, really. And uh, I think the dentist called this uh, uninformed consent. I think that was the name of his book, Uninformed Consent, because people consent to their dentistry without realizing just what risks they're being put under. with just the dental work Uh, and many of it brought about particularly in children brought about where we started this discussion with eating far too many high sugar content sweets uh, candy so that sort of ties that together really
4: um, I was going to uh, kind of uh, concentrate back on uh, flavourings. Um, I, I know there's been, um, over the decades, a lot of uh, publicity about the um, artificial colours and uh, there are various colours that are now um, being not being used in uh, different suites, especially... Um, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the numbers. I, I think they're slightly different... Uh, rules that apply in the US and the UK, but certain colours were, were definitely found to be uh, to have all kinds of effects. So it's not uncommon to, to see, and again, these sweets that we particularly looked at said without artificial colours. Um, but what was particularly interesting that um, in the uh, list of ingredients, one of them just said flavouring, no other details. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Whereas, yeah.
4: Yeah. So they just said flavouring. Um, now we've got quite a bit in in the book uh, about um food flavourings and um we refer to a report that was actually produced in 2012 uh, for flavourings in food and drinks in the UK and uh it was quite eye opening to us um there there are apparently thousands of flavourings on the market it, it's a, it's a huge sector in the um food additives market Um, But this is particularly interesting. I'm just going to read this bit that the report said, the reason for adding these flavorings to products. And that is, in order to alter the taste profile of the basic ingredients of the product, to flavor tasteless base materials, to mask off notes, to boost flavor after food processing, to enhance flavors present, or for reasons of economy, as flavorings are generally cheaper than flavorful base ingredients so um, yes I, I think you know flavorings don't get anywhere near as much attention as um, as they should um, or as, you know color colourings have got um, what is particularly interesting that you know I mean that these are uh, chemistry experiments that, you know the flavorings are made by various uh, chemicals being put together and there's one example that uh, we mentioned in the book where it's 30 different chemicals that can be uh, used to make a particular strawberry flavour. And you think, well, why not just use a strawberry? But uh, no, they have to use 30 different chemicals. Um, the other thing, of course, is that they're uh, you know, judged to be safe. It's, it's you know, back to the idea of, well, it's, it's, these flavourings are safe as long as they're used within the right amount. Um, now that might be uh, an, an amount that's deemed to be safe as far as that particular product's concerned. Um, and it's usually uh, assessed you know on what what would be a normal kind of consumption. But of course, you know in these uh, holiday periods and something like Halloween, as you say, you know kids are going to eat, large amounts of this stuff and so they're taking in rather a large dose at any one particular time and and those doses haven't necessarily been tested to see the the effects or even if they are safe it's just you know they're deemed safe according to certain um
0: some arbitrary standard
4: oh absolutely arbitrary And, and i know in um America, you've got something, uh, you know, the GRAS, which generally recognised as safe. Um, that that's a, an unusual um, situation. It, I think it only applies in the US. Um, but that means that um, anything that's given that status doesn't have to be uh, tested. It can just, you know, well, it's it's been recognised, and so we can use it without it being tested. Um, but a particularly interesting um, thing, uh, you know, sort of uh, extension of the flavorings is that the people who create these flavorings are called flavorists. And I came across a, a, an interesting article where, um, I mean, flavor, there are loads of flavorists, uh, hundreds of flavorists, you know, trying to develop all kinds of new foods. And one of them is these new uh, what are called plant-based meats. So um, there's an article um, where they're talking about uh, this this new craze with the food industry, Um, apparently, uh, according to this article, driven by concerns about climate change. So, yes, climate change now means that uh, we've all got to eat artificial food because that's what these... um, flavorists are creating um various ways of making the um if you like a plant-based protein but obviously it's, it's a chemical mix that so they can make products that then taste like meat these are then going to be put out as uh, vegan or products suitable for vegans so they're trying to uh, really encourage people to become vegan but not in a way that will be healthy for them but in a way that they will then eat these uh, vegan products so it's it's again it's a it's a market but these products are not going to be it, it says plant based but when we talk about a plant based diet we are talking about you know real plant food as in fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. not plant based protein that's been created yeah. in a in the chemistry in a lab, lab. With are, all sorts of chemicals added so that it tastes like so-called real meat.
0: Are you guys vegans, are, are you guys getting some rain there?
4: Uh, yes, sorry. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. it's, it's suddenly... worse
3: than that. We've, we've just got a hailstorm, would you believe? Um, so um, not much I can do about it. We've got yeah. lumps of ice hitting the window, which is probably what you can hear. So I uh, do apologize for the background noise. Hopefully it'll pass over quite quickly.
0: Yeah, we, we've only got a couple minutes here left. I just wanted to read quickly through uh six really weird halloween candy ingredients um you guys ever heard of lanolin
4: sorry say that again
0: lanolin l-a-n-o-l-i-n lanolin oh yes yes Lan- uh, i think
4: th- 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 yes yeah, l- we pronounce l- lanolin. lanolin sorry I'm lanolin <laughs> <laughs> oh okay no that's fine yeah
0: yeah that's like it's basically like uh sheep sweat like an oily secretion from sheep's wool and that's yes. a, that's in your yes. candy, carmine. I mean, I know you guys know what carmine is, right? The little beetles.
4: Red, yes, yes, that's a red coloring, isn't it? But it's from beetles, yeah.
0: Yep. And then there's this one's hard to pronounce, uh, tertarybutylhydroquinone butyl hydroquinonine (TBHQ), which is derived from butane, and that's in a lot of drinks and candy. TBHQ.
4: Yeah. oh no, no uh, not seeing that one wow from from butane
0: yep it's from it's it's a petroleum derived from butane, so the petroleum industry is in on this, yeah. and you find yeah. this you find this in drinks, you find it in candy packaged it's all over the place at least in the states um there's obviously gelatin, which we talked about that earlier uh yes, and then one of my favorites casterium, which uh I didn't. Oh, yes. <laughs> I didn't know this, but it can also be beaver urine. Oh, really? Yeah, I just lovely. learned that. Yeah, that's it gets
3: Worse, doesn't it? Wow! As, as if as if uh, aspartame wasn't toxic enough, they've got all these other things. It, it's really a, a wonder that the majority of people don't spend most of their time hospitalised. You know, it really <laughs> right. is. I'm surprised? I'm surprised that children survive past the age of ten. Really, with the, I, the stuff that's
0: being thrown at them, I, th- I think that I think that all the time. And then some of these things are just like shellac. You think of shellac, you might think of like some chemical that you put on wood or something to finish a table. Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes from a bug that's native to Thailand, and that is, it. They, they see this is the thing. This is a great example. Shellac is a secretion from a bug, but. When you look at candy, it's labeled as confectioner's glaze. That's the, the term that they use.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: It's so wow. incredibly deceptive, funny, but also really depressing <laughs> and sick. Yeah.
4: Um, yes, because they've got the glazing agents on on the sweets we looked at. One of them was uh, beeswax. Um, so, of course, you know, that wouldn't be uh, something that anyone who's vegan would want to eat. Um and then there's another one and i'm not sure how to pronounce it it's carnuba wax
0: yeah that's a very popular C-A-L- one
4: yes yeah. okay and uh, but i mean that's not i mean that's just used you know as you say for glazing so that's just to make sure it melts in your you know like it says you know melts in your mouth not in your hand um so you know these are sort of like gummy sweets so um but dreadful things for your teeth and obviously um that goes back to how how these things spoil teeth ruin health um and but but it's a treat of course you have, yeah, to, you know, you have to remember it's a treat it's
3: yeah. the words "killing with kindness come <laughs> to uh, come to mind don't they you know it's uh you can see how the conveyor belt system works you know of uh feeding the people toxic waste which makes them ill so you give them medications which is more toxic waste and if that weren't enough you ruin their teeth because of it and they go along and have some more toxic waste put in their mouths and uh, and are back to the doctors to get some more toxic waste in the form of medicine to try and correct the damage that's been done. It's as I say, it's, it's uh, a vicious it can, cycle. It, it is it's a vicious a good cycle business model for the pharmaceutical, stroke, petrochemical companies, um, and hence they're so uh, intent on trying to protect it, you know, against the likes of us that come along and say, "Hold on, guys, what you're doing is totally wrong, and you're poisoning everyone." Uh, So obviously that's why they don't take very kindly to it.
0: (laughs) So some some people are worried about catching a disease, a virus, bacteria, some kind of infection. So maybe they don't go out trick-or-treating for Halloween, or maybe they meet people in their driveway because that's safer. Or in Calgary, Canada, I saw that police in Calgary City are telling people to use giant PVC pipes to toss the candy into at six feet away so it slides into the kid's bag. So... (laughs) We're we're worried about all this stuff uh, because of a virus that has not been isolated and proven to exist officially. Uh, And yet we can turn over any of these candy bars or any of these bags of candy and see highly toxic ingredients that don't even necessarily hide behind a label. They'll just tell you, this is butane. This is lighter fluid. And then we consume that. And then we say, well, the virus that doesn't exist, that's what made us sick. This is like unreal.
4: Uh, yes. 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 Um, yes. I mean, some of the times I've been walking around and seeing what's going on, and I and I actually feel that it's surreal. You know, uh, I mean, yes, unreal, yes, but, but yes. also surreal. You just you can't you know you can't comprehend what is going on. It feels like the world's gone mad. Um, but you know, it's 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 got to. Uh, uh, come to an end and, and there are certainly uh people out there who are doing uh well as, as well as us sort of putting the information out there are various people doing all, all sorts of other um, projects we, and and legal we, cases we to- do
3: have some legal cases going off at the moment and uh, we're talking to a guy who i think sounds the most like he's likely to be most successful because the legal team that he's got working with him are attacking the members of the government personally, rather than trying to take out, as some others have done, sort of uh, indictments against the government as a whole so they can hide behind it, the government is. This guy uh, is issuing summonses through the legal team to each individual MP on both sides of the House, the House of Parliament, so the Conservatives here or Labour are the two main parties. Uh, but he's has been issued to them as a personal summons because uh, on the basis that they have acted fraudulently in uh, voting to implement these measures that, that without any scientific evidence to back them up so they've acted in a fraudulent way and the legal team and we're talking barristers here which is sort of the highest level in the legal profession over here um you know say there is a case to answer and they're happy to take it forward Um, doing much of the work voluntarily which shows something uh, (laughs) because legal people don't normally work for free Um, so we think he's got a good chance with that so that's sort of to give a little bit of hope to people that this can happen very quickly because those summonses and there's already been a number of MPs um, that have resigned in the UK because the the person that's bringing this is giving them a get-out clause that if you resign and get out of the way and don't be an MP, we won't prosecute you. Mm. And I think up to now there's been ten MPs that have resigned. The reasons they've given, of course, are something else that uh, that you know they've disagreed with their leader or something like that. Obviously, they're not admitting to the fact that uh, they've received one of these uh, uh, summons letters, and uh, they're basically basically. Uh, Well, not. (laughs) They're basically scared enough to uh, resign and get out of the very lucrative uh, business of being an MP. They get paid a lot of money and they have huge expense accounts. So they have to be pretty scared to chuck that in, which is what they're doing. So we're hoping that uh, as more of these letters arrive on the desks of the MPs, more of them will throw in the towel and uh, basically the government will collapse. Uh, which will be a good start, uh, but they hope to pursue this and uh, actually prosecute MPs for their treacherous behavior.
0: As they uh, as, as they should. And we're we're just about out of time or I'd continue on okay. for two more hours in, in 60 seconds. We've got about 60 seconds. Uh, where can listeners get the book? And do you have any recommendations for, you know, those comments and those celebrations of Halloween? The comments of, well, it's just a treat. What can parents do? You have anything that you could add to that?
3: Well, I think if they're really going to treat the children is to find non-toxic means of doing it. And there are that sort of thing, you know, and I'm thinking of fruit and nuts and things like that. Mm. But they need
4: Tangerine to, in a bag of nuts. You know,
3: they need to talk to the children and, and explain to them why these uh, brightly coloured uh, pieces of toxic waste are really not good for them and what can happen to them. And that's up to how the parents can approach that. Um, but if they need help, they can come to our website at uh, whatreallymakesyouwell.com. And um, obviously, uh, read some of the documents that we've got on there. Listen to interviews like this one, which we'll put up there. And um, better still, or as well as, uh, is by the book as well, where we explain all of these things in great detail. And particularly the sources of uh, toxic material that uh, can enter your system and what to do about it. Uh, And and to tell you actually what really makes you ill and uh, how you can avoid it and take back control of your own health. So well worth, well worth a look,
0: I would say. What really makes you ill? That's the book, Don Lester, David Parker. And we're just about out of time. I'll bring the music up here. But Don, do you have any last comments?
4: Uh, no, I, th- I think that was all fairly well covered by David. Um, yeah, I mean, ma- mainly the, the book is available on most uh, Amazon or, or other online bookstores.
0: All right. Well, thank you both for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. It's always a fun conversation.
4: Yes, we've enjoyed it too.
0: Yeah, thank you, Ryan. All right, Don Lester, David Parker, What Really Makes You Ill, that's the website, that's the book, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease Is Wrong. Check it out today, get your copy. I also have a book called Food Philosophy. You can find that at thesecretteachings.info. That's thesecretteachings.info. The Fringe Fest is coming up this weekend. Thefringefest.com. You can get your tickets today. It's like $10, 15 something fun to do for Halloween. And you get a 15% discount with my name, Ryan, R-Y-A-N. And if you're listening to this in a year from now, way after Fringe Fest, you can still go back and watch that conference. And you can always go back into our archive and listen to all the old shows with great guests like Don and David, Karen Dahlman, Harold Kalt, and so many others. You can subscribe on the website at thesecretteachings.info. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.